0: Story with a with a bit of local flavor here to kick us off um, so many some of you may know I mean I, I guess I don't really advertise it very much but I work uh, in a remote job that has uh, some co-workers of mine work in the same city that we live in Halifax others work around Canada and I was recently in a training for my job and one of the people who was also in the training is uh, one of my coworkers from Halifax. I had worked with him before, hadn't really met him. It's a remote job, you don't really see each other. So we were sharing something about ourselves on the first day of training, and I said, of course, I have a podcast called Elwood City Limits, the Episodic Arthur podcast. And this fella, his name is Noah, he related that he was once mistaken for Either you or me, Lucas. What um, he, po- he so he posted an Arthur meme on like a message board or something, and the somebody w- noted that he was like posting from Halifax, Nova Scotia, and they messaged him and was like, "Are you the guy who does Elwood City Limits?" And to what, obviously to he, he said wasn't. no. Yeah. No. Yeah. 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 No. He copped to it, but uh, uh, his name his name's Noah. He's a good dude, but it was just like so it's, it, we're not famous, No. but we're maybe like small
1: letter K known. By, by at least someone, by you, the would city limits faithful for sure. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's just, I just wanted
0: to make sure to say that on the show. This, it's just a funny, funny old thing that happened. And I absolutely didn't expect to, I don't know. Like it's almost like being noticed, like, because we don't, you know, from working in radio to now, people don't really notice us, so to speak, on the, like on the street or something. But
1: this is, I feel, is, is as close as you can get to that. It's true. Soon, I, I hope to be, yeah. I mean, someone spotted us. They knew we were going to be there, but we had a dear Elwood City Limits fan uh, show up to the yard sale as well this past weekend.
0: Yeah, yeah. Chelsea uh, sought us out on Instagram and happens to be a local listener. It was wonderful to meet Chelsea as she makes her way through the ECL backlog. And as we add one more to that backlog, because it's time for the final Arthur episode of season 14. Uh, Will Young is who I am. Lucas Mancini over there as well. Uh, yeah, uh, Lucas, great yard sale, by the way. I'm still Thank enjoying. <laughs> uh, I have this little Full Metal Alchemist figure that is now dangling from my mic stand uh, that I picked up there uh, among some many other great things. In fact, uh, your your lovely your lovely girlfriend uh, sold me a copy of The Crow on DVD, which I'm very happy about.
1: R.I.P. Brandon Lee, and I'm glad it's found a great home.
0: Yeah, and it seemed—I mean, you—you you chose a heck of a day to do it. It was scorching outside. You were keeping yourself going with some uh, morning and noontime alpines. <laughs> Uh, but did you have a good time? Wow,
1: put me on blast to the podcast. Uh, but yeah, no, that's, you know, vitamin A, Alpine. That's the fuel that keeps <laughs> me going. Um, no, I had a good time, but I, I appreciate you and, of course, Chelsea for coming out and everybody who came out, really. Um, and now, you know, for those of you who are unfortunate enough to follow me on Instagram, it's back to your regular scheduled programming. No more uh, me spamming than I'm having a yard sale. And we can continue on with the rest of the summer. Until the next yard sale, of course. Exactly.
0: So, yeah, we're going to get into this episode in just a moment. A couple things that we want to talk about. First, uh, we only have one email that I wanted to highlight here, which you can, of course, send in your emails, elbittcitylimits at gmail.com. This one is from uh, Nick, who is a longtime podcast listener, first-time emailer, going through the back catalog for the second time in a row. Thank you, Nick. At the episode where they talk about Binky the Band. Uh thought you would like to know that the English translation of this song that they play in the episode, it's actually quite disturbing but interesting. So this oh. is a little long. I'll just give you the uh I'll give you the quick hits here. So of course we're talking about the song that Binky sings, the which is an yeah. actual song. We talked about that in the episode. So here's a little that, bit of that.
1: It's yeah. the one that's like weo weo weo, weo weo, we wheel weo, we weo. That one, right?
0: The you, you got it. The wheel okay. weo. So here's what the actual lyrics are, By I believe this is a, a, a Swedish or a Nordic band of some, some extraction. Let us young girls sing, so that others will hear too, so that this village's boys don't think us quite mute. Sorrows I'll throw along the road, and joys I'll take with me. When I see a pretty boy, there I'll stay the night. These boys are like something from behind the wall, Anyone who takes that one must be crazy. The boys in this village should be put into a single gap in the fence, squeeze with pliers, and forge with a hammer. The girls in this village are... Eh, no, okay, not reading that one. <laughs> I'm that little girl, tiny like a cat, and I wouldn't be anywhere else but in the boys' rooms. People call it a sin, and a sin I suppose it is, to go and to lie next to that wild boy.
1: Wee 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 wee. Oh, there's no translation for the wee wee. Okay, I was gonna say so that must be like the verses, not the chorus, because there's no way wee 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 turns into all of that. So that that's like parts of the song that we don't really hear in the episode.
0: Yes, but if you um, if you listen to the first arthur album uh are, are like arthur's almost real not live cd or tape which we do have an older review of that that just went up on our youtube channel um you get you do get to hear the full song they did license that full song for commercial use with the arthur brand Th- thank you nick um elwood city Limited gmail.com as always if you'd like your email right on the air um we have some Really cool stuff coming up on the Elwood City Limits Patreon, and we're going to let you know about that near the end of the episode. But, of course, the most recent offering was an episode of For the Kids, a PBS Kids podcast. This time we talked about Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood. It was the winner of a very hotly contested patrons poll. And we had a really good time talking about it and finding out more about it. And I think you would like to hear it too. You can check out the preview on the free feed or you can, well, subscribe to the Patreon. It's pay what you want and you get dozens more podcast episodes, commentaries, and exclusive interviews and content, video content and more over there. Um, we also want to say thank you to everyone who has nominated us for the best of Halifax awards put on by The Coast, which is a weekly magazine over here. Uh, the nomination period is over. So now we're going to have to see if your work paid off. And if so, we will move into the voting period. Thank you, everybody,
1: just, for for voting for us.
0: I think speaking to Patreon, we're saying thank you to some lovely patrons. Including some new ones, we have some new patrons who have joined us since the last time, such as Cecil Robinson, or perhaps Cecil Robinson. We have Vincent, Maria Gisselquist, Grace Cole, Wasatch Wind, Dear Miss Elizabeth, aka Z and Chloe. Now, if I got any pronunciations on those wrong, please tell me. Uh, but we also have uh, long timers like Cat Dog and Jeff L, Josh and Dallo and Laura Ashley, Ricardo A. Soto, Alexandria Dukes, Charlie Heckman, we got Joe LoFlo and the Flying Sparks 32, we got Shander lefebvre Bowton and John Griswold, Ian Collis, Baby Show addict Bob Yee, Allison R. Valeria, Matt Andrew Power, Sierra S and many, many more. If it's been a while since we've said your name in the Patreon roll call, please let us know and we would be happy to say it. Okay, last Arthur episode, season 14 it's Buster Spaces Out is the first one we're talking about and this is a, this is absolutely appropriate. It's something that I'm surprised he hasn't done it before. Oh. Buster is watching the moon landing on TV.
1: Yeah, and it's, it's a part of me feels like, you know, this is addressing something that we've talked about on the show. Um, Buster has had this kind of conspiratorial nature. Yes. Um, he's never uh, one to think that the most obvious explanation is the explanation. Instead, he's quick to assume it's aliens or some sort of supernatural uh, occurrence. Mm-hmm. And so... We get this moment here where I almost feel like the Arthur writers are retconning uh, Buster's conspiratorial nature, or at least curbing it for the future. Because we've talked about, you know, Buster's probably going to end up being a Joe Rogan listener. Um, uh, yeah. There's a lot of early season seasons one through three conversations we've had about, you know, what would Buster be like as an adult. And here we get Buster asking his mom about, oh, what is this sci-fi show? And his mom's like, that's not a sci-fi show. Uh, that's something that actually happened, allegedly, the moon landing. Um, <laughs> and Buster just immediately accepts it. You know, he's just like, okay, yeah, nothing to see here. This is exactly the narrative. Uh, uh, in fact, I believe that uh, Bixby, uh, her exact line is, it quote unquote, really happened. <laughs> So, basically, the show is getting ahead of um, our line of speculation that, you know, Buster wasn't going to think that the moon landing is real. Uh, uh, as well, along with numerous other things that people tend to think aren't real. So, yeah, yeah. Not, not, the, not the case. Buster does believe in the moon landing. In fact, I would go as far as to say that he probably believes the Earth is also round. Um, so, not not our, our worst fears will have been quenched. Uh, and, yes, this is what gets Buster interested in in space and and going to space
0: yeah this the singular line from Buster was that's real and I'm like but we went right past it so yeah you're right I also want to note here it starts off with Buster kind of channel surfing and we hear a little bit of a of like what like a little bit of audio from what he's watching um one of those is a Mary Moo Cow song I guess did they uncancel it or is that just still in reruns where Dark Bunny used to be
1: this takes place early in the timeline, before Could Mary be. yeah. was canceled.
0: Yeah, so we do we, we deal with a little bit of a reflexive timeline here and there. So this inspires Buster he, to become an astronaut, but his first step is to get a model rocket from a store called Alexi's Hobbies. But he's having a little bit of trouble building it. It's a little bit more advanced than he realized. It's it's a skill level five, as Arthur points out. And this is, you know, this is one of those models reminds me of, like, getting into gunpla and all the like like Gundam gunpla beginners videos that I've watched because I'm every once in a while I'm like maybe I maybe I should start doing that and I <laughs> I haven't started yet. If somebody wants to buy me a gunpla model that's huh. how I could start. But it's but but it, you have to be careful with those skill levels because with this one Buster is having to he's having to work hot glue, he's having to work screwdrivers and different parts and so this is this is a real um, hobby grade, yeah. Um, I, I believe other. Arthur
1: points out that it's a level five kit, yeah, and yeah, that yeah, yeah. Uh, in terms of difficulty, and that Buster should have started with something earlier, uh, easier, ha- probably like at a level one or something.
0: Absolutely, and uh, you know, I when not when I was a little bit older than Buster in grade seven, I had a project where I had to build a like World War II fighter plane, and that was that was tough. That wasn't a skill level five, but still, like. It involved mm. like sanding and gluing, and yeah. it was just—it was beyond my skill level. I needed help from my parents for that one.
1: Now, if you had completed said World War II fighter plane, and then your sister threw it out the window, do you think you'd punch her in the face over it? <laughs> and uh, do you think you would be justified in doing so? <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: let's see. My sister would have been like 19 at the time. So she, if I'd have done that, she probably would have knocked me out. So mm, mm. it would it wouldn't have ended it wouldn't have ended well for me. Um, Buster has you know, the components all over the floor. At one point he says, there's an order to my disorder, which very familiar to uh, myself with ADHD. So he is so he's working on it all night. He eventually falls asleep. Um, he has a dream where he goes to the moon uh, in like a real rocket ship. But he doesn't exactly know how to like actually pilot the rocket ship, so he overshoots the moon and then can't turn around. And uh, mission control is no help. In fact, it's just staffed by a talking mouse. So figure this one out with the animal hierarchy. it's It's a mouse
1: that talks and just says, "Bring back more cheese."
0: <laughs> uh, we also, also see- he yeah.
1: ejects the laundry a la, um, <laughs> airplane.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. Man, I didn't think about that. That's actually probably where they got that. Uh, we do see El Boomerang among the uh, the Laundry in that dream. And there is a part here where he, like, is radioing for help. And he gets, like, th- there's, like, a moment where the Mary Moo Cow singing comes back that he was watching on TV. But it's, like, really garbled and, like, bit crushed. It was creepy. Like, it mm. actually kind of creeped me out I love when Arthur does that because you never even though it's done it plenty of times before you never expect it it always comes out of uh, out of left field
1: yeah if there's anything about uh, season 14 that I think is most commendable and most reminiscent of the early seasons of Arthur the dark imagination sequences have returned in full force I mean what's more horrifying than uh, dying alone in the cold empty vacuum of space (laughs) oh my god
0: this is supposed to be an escape crying out out for help
1: you know, going off into the
0: void. We're supposed to be not adding to people's woes. We're supposed to be taking away from them here. Blame all right. They're not me. <laughs> so Buster realizes that he needs help with this. He's got to enlist the help of the Arthur gang to build the rocket. They comprise rocket team Buster and Buster gives them uh, different roles within the group. First, like, First of all, I forget exactly what position he gives Arthur, but his rationale is that Arthur is calm, cool, and collected, which we have 14 seasons of evidence why that's not true.
1: Yeah, I suppose there's no risk of, like, the rocket calling him a baby or something. And so, you know, the things that Arthur usually freaks out and flips his lid about are probably not at risk of happening here. Um, And, you know, he's pretty studious. He's good at, like, reading stuff, I guess um but yeah everybody's assigned their roles and they address the elephant in the room immediately you know why not uh deputize brain in this endeavor he's yeah built multiple rockets i think over the course of this series um and these weren't any model kit these were like legitimate like <laughs> devices <laughs> and stuff he's put together uh and they easily write him off he's visiting his family in like texas or arizona or something so yeah it's, yeah texas He's not here for this episode. Uh, so we kind of get uh, a mishmash of characters, some of which we don't normally see. Uh, George, who we haven't really had in an episode for a while, mm-hmm. is in the crew. Um, also, Carl's back.
0: Yeah, I was really happy to see Carl. And as the episode goes on, it uses him as not just like a token, it's not like a token cameo or something. He has a mm. important role within the team. And I thought this yeah. was
1: great. I would almost go as far as to call him uh, Brain Plus because he only gives you know the factoids when it's relevant to the conversation and it doesn't feel like he's doting over anybody or, or trying to impress us with his intellect he's simply trying to be helpful he just uh, he, lo- he loves
0: machines he loves trains and he loves yeah. rocket ships yeah so he just is expressing that Continue. when he, when buster is going through the different roles like francine is a leader and then it's just like and muffy you have the biggest backyard that we can do this in and muffy says you just want me for my yard which I thought was funny, and and just to to go with you on the like, yeah, um, we it's a bit of a swerve with Brain's non-involvement because Buster says just because Brain is a genius doesn't mean we should ask him for his help every time something is hard, and I was like, yeah, that's actually a good point, point. and then Arthur says to George, he's in Texas visiting family, and Buster just quickly says, he said he would check in every now and then, very <laughs> like very funny exchange. I'm not I'm not doing it justice, but uh, I liked that.
1: Also, um, and we forgot to mention that Francine is basically declared leader of the operation.
0: Mm-hmm. And so
1: she starts to dole out the roles. Uh, and here, you know, I was talking earlier about, oh, it's nice to see Carl back. Good use of some underused characters. But in some ways, it's two steps forward, two steps back. Uh, because I-, I feel like last episode we watched, I was like, oh, this is like a good Muffy episode. It's good use of Muffy. And we're back to the Muffy of old in this one. Yeah. Uh, because everybody's trying to kind of... First, there's chaos. Um, They're trying to delineate tasks, and it's not working, and so that's when Buster makes Francine leader. But then, you know, Muffy's kind of incensed that uh, she doesn't get to work on the parachute because that yes. was the part that involves most decoration, uh, and instead she's complaining that she has to work on the engine. The engine, and you can't decorate the engine. And Muffy's just kind of being annoying this time. Usually, uh, I feel like they played to Muffy's strength. It's like, yeah, Muffy's a girly girl. She likes fashion. She likes style. Uh, and the show she's is good with involved. finances. Exactly. And the show has evolved to kind of play to those strengths instead of making them annoying. But here, Buffy just seems like she doesn't even understand like the point of what they're all doing. Like, it's like she's <laughs> really getting on my nerves in this episode. Yeah. Um, and then eventually she goes really far and she rips the parachute. Their one parachute that came with the set, uh, which, all right, Miss Muddy Bags. I hope she, like, paid Buster back because uh, he was the one that bought the thing.
0: She did offer to buy a replacement, but that was the only one that they had. So Mm. I guess she just got off scot-free from there. Yeah, so the the parachute ripping, they they separated the rocket into three different construction um, phases uh, phases or parts, I should say, um, that different teams worked on. So they don't have the parachute anymore, so it's incomplete. And they're kind of uh, drowning their sorrows a bit at the Sugar Bowl. When, who should they meet but a special guest for this episode... A real-life astronaut for NASA, Mike Fink, who is very quick to tell them not to give up. He tells them about a time when he had a rip in his suit on the International Space Station, nearly lost his air due to a leak, uh, but he got back in and it was okay.
1: Now, Will, be honest. Prior to this, had you ever heard of Mike Fink in your life?
0: Never. Never, 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 never.
1: And I was thinking to myself, and I was like, it's not really fair, because if I had to name astronauts, I'd probably run out of names real quick. It's like, okay, Neil Armstrong, Buzz Aldrin. At that point, I think one of them was dead, and the other one may have been too old to appear on this Arthur episode. So Mm -hmm. I don't blame them for trying to get someone a little bit more current. Um, But beyond that, it's like, I don't know, Chris Hadfield, because he wrote all those books, and he's kind of such a... That might be more of a Canadian thing, too, because he's Canadian, we all know about him. Um, Roberta Bondar? See, now we're already getting outside of my area of knowledge, but this Mike Figg character uh, I was not familiar with, uh, and it doesn't help that he kind of has what I call uh, Matt Damon Arthur Syndrome. Yeah. In that he is just kind of his face with ears. Uh, (laughs) I will say that, um, you know, he has a very kind, uh, friendly sounding conversational voice. Uh, and uh, you know it's nice that he appeared on this Arthur episode but I will also say that uh, let's say he is definitely not a professional voice actor <laughs> and sometimes <laughs> he delivers these line reads and it's like yeah I feel like he didn't have the context for what he was saying like the the line read sounds a little bit stilted or it doesn't kind of uh work in the in the conversation in the context of the show right yeah I thought he was
0: decent you know I think we've had like the run the gamut We've had some really good non-professional voice actors, and we've had some, well, what were you going to get out of them kind of performances. I thought this was fine, but n- certainly nothing uh, nothing amazing. Yeah, just, uh, I mean, in case you're as in the dark about Mike Fink as we are, uh, he was the commander of the International Space Station, uh, NASA astronaut. He's also the former record holder of the most time spent in space at 381.6 days. He's now the second most person uh, this, he's spent the second most time in space of American astronauts, but he's, he's up there. Uh, yeah. So Mike Fink tells him about the story, tells them not to give up. And they start to think of like, what can they use instead of the parachute? And they briefly consider, <laughs> they briefly consider slathering the rocket in mashed potatoes because shout out to the guy at the sugar bowl, buying a bowl of mashed potatoes <laughs> and that's it. That's my guy right there. <laughs>
1: yeah, sitting at the diner, um there's a lot of questions like like it's true like it doesn't even it's the Sugar Bowl, right? Like I didn't even know you could get savory stuff at the Sugar Bowl. Um so lots of revelatory moments here. Um also, you know, for every you know, I'm surprised Carl didn't speak up and say like adding a bunch of mashed potatoes would totally make the <laughs> the rocket weigh a ton more. Uh, not a literal ton, but, like, figuratively, like, mashed oh, potatoes yeah. are heavy. Like, that's a lot of... Uh, dense, um, uh, It's probably going to mess with your whole lodge. But they think better of it, and instead the uh, waitress serving the mashed potatoes has a colorful handkerchief, a bandana, uh, and they decide to use that as a parachute instead. Yeah,
0: and it, it turns out to work much better. Now, the launch day that they've prepared for is initially rained out and that's also very disappointing but they managed to use a small break in the weather between uh rain to be able to launch it successfully and it works including the newly fashioned parachute out of the bandana um they <laughs> Francine neglects to recover it at first which it's it's just kind of floating down with the parachute um but uh, hero of the day, Mike Fink ends up recovering it because he was busy buying a whole pumpkin pie. I think it's pumpkin pie from the sugar bowl. Cause apparently it's just that good. He can't, he, every time you see Mike Fink, he's talking about this pie. It's that good.
1: Yeah, he's got like a little bit of an Agent Cooper uh, bent to him. How he's like <laughs> so obsessed with this pie, and then he's like, um, again, I, I I actually am endeared to Mike Thinks' performance in this episode. I feel like it feels like I'm ragging on him, but it just really stood out to me, like his delivery. He's like, "This is the best pie I've ever had," and then later on, um, he, he he's like, "Can I get an umbrella over here?" Like when he gets caught in the rain with his pie, it's just a just kind of a strange delivery. But I got a kick out of him.
0: My favorite delivery of his was when, like, he's taking the pie home and it starts to rain again and then Buster finds him and uh, puts his umbrella over him and he just goes, I'm fine, son. Protect the pie. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, he returns the rocket and uh, they invite Mike Fink back to uh, to Muffy's place um, for thinking about Buster wants to go to Venus when he becomes an astronaut. Does Mike Fink want to come along? So, yeah, it's, it's very much, you can tell that Mike Fink at least sounds like a nice guy. So I think that really comes across even if he's not, you know, the best actor. And that's usually what helps a lot of Arthur guest voices is that as long as they sound like they're nice people, then you can forgive any, you know, he did he didn't he didn't cycle into acting. He decided to become an astronaut instead, which is perfectly fine., uh, and now a word from us kids. Just quickly, I don't really have anything to say about this, but it's, it's neat. It's a science club for girls as they learn about how rockets work and they do different science experiments. Some of them involve uh, blowing up balloons. Others involve like, um, what was the thing they did in the classroom? It was, was it like with baking soda or something?
1: It was, yeah, some sort of reaction where they put, uh, like, baking soda and something else in a tube. And, you know, it, it caused a reaction where, like, something flew out of the tube. Uh, you know, some women in STEM stuff. we got to get more women in STEM, Will.
0: Absolutely. I agree. All right. Last Arthur story of season 14 after this.
1: Hey, everybody, it's Lucas from the Elwood City Limits Podcast. And if you love ECL, there's a couple of ways to keep up with us. You can go to facebook.com Elwood City at ECL Podcast. That's our Twitter. We take questions on Tumblr. It's elwoodcitylimits.tumblr.com. There is an Instagram as well, Elwood City Limits on Instagram. Of course, if you want to donate to the show and get exclusive content, whether that's our full length commentary of the Arthur movies, our brand new new uh, bi-weekly PBS kids review show as well as our video game movie reviews with the Sonic movie review and Pikachu movie review you can check out patreon.com slash elwoodcitylimits uh, and that's also going to get you access to the Elwood City Limits Discord, which me and Will like to post it from time to time. And if you want that sweet, sweet Elwood City Limits merch, check out teespring.com slash stores slash Elwood hyphen city hyphen limits hyphen store. You can listen to the podcast at libsyn.com slash Elwood City Limits, Spotify, Apple Podcasts and there's other podcast apps like stitcher and if we're not on your favorite app let us know and where can you let us know well That's going to be at ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com. That's also where you can send us a question and we'll read it on the show. Finally, if you want to support the podcast, the best way to do so is to tell a friend who likes animation or Arthur or just podcasts in general. And to go to our iTunes page and rate us out of five stars. Apparently, that helps podcasts out. Bye, everybody.
0: And how appropriate. The Long Road Home is the name of this final story for... It's been a
1: long road Getting
0: getting from from there to here
1: here. It's been a long time All right, that's fine. That's enough.
0: I've got (laughs) faith of the heart
1: (laughs) No, folks. Despite what you might be thinking because of me and Will's song, this is not a Star Trek Enterprise-themed episode of... (laughs) <laughs> uh, Arthur. It is instead um, actually not what I thought it was going to be about. I, 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 let's take it away with this cold open.
0: Yes, so finally, after an entire Arthur season of a background story, we get a conclusion to the El Boomerang saga mm. with who else but Adil, Arthur's Turkish pen pal. So Adil comes across El Boomerang, literally like falls into his lap from nowhere. Which, he... by the
1: way, is the implication that Buster's Dream was canon because it fell from the sky? Because I was like, oh, okay, was El Boomerang actually in orbit? I wish I remembered where El Boomerang ended up in the episode before this. Like, like mm. la- last time we talked about this on Elwood City Limits. Um, that would have led to it, you know, getting into orbit and now crashing down in Turkey. Uh, but yes, yeah. it does literally fall from the sky.
0: Yeah, I don't remember off the top of my head. I'm sure I'm sure some of our listeners do, though. Um so Adil finds El Boomerang, he tells Arthur about it over video chats. so now they're video chatting together, they're like doing a Skype call, and Arthur's like, well wait, is that, like, he... Adil holds it up and it's El Boomerang, he's like, wow, I can't believe it, can I get you to send it over to me? So Adil packages it to Elwood City. Um he returns home, Arthur does, and he's going to give Alberto the ball back. He's originally gonna just give it to him, but then Alberto invites him to his birthday. So Arthur's gonna give it to him as a present. Now I wasn't exactly sure where this was going at first. It does unfold in a way that you wouldn't expect. Um I will also say it sounds like they recast they either recast Adil's voice or the original voice actor for Adil like grew up. Like his voice sounds a lot deeper. Mm. deeper than eight years old Um, so what this actually has to do with for most of this episode more than El Boomerang is George this is a George episode so George is doing he's the last leg in a relay race with Francine I think it's Jenna and maybe Sue Ellen is on his team I know Sue Ellen was involved but he he ends up choking in this relay race he just can't make it in time to win and he, like, runs out of breath. He's just not much of a runner. And Francine kind of humiliates him about it. She's really, like, cruel about it. We Now, we know Francine's a, a, a sore loser and a sore winner. But this was still, like, man, yeah, she was really we, dogging him for this.
1: We got throwback Muffy in the first episode. Now we're getting some throwback bully Francine in this one.
0: You're right. And, like, it continues past this as well. So, George decides that he wants to, um, I guess, Just build up endurance, even though he hates running. So he's kind of running around. He's trying to do get a bit more in shape. And he gets the idea to do a walk from Crown City, which is kind of like the Shelbyville of uh, the Arthur Universe to Elwood City. And this is inspired by he runs across Buster and Arthur in the sugar bowl, and Buster tells George about how his uncle tried to do that walk once. It took him about seven hours, but he twisted his ankle at the end and never completed it. Now, uh, now, Lucas, to your point about like where El Boomerang ended up, we do get a little, I wouldn't say a throw a throwaway line here, but Buster actually gets it one hundred percent right <laughs> because he's he's like, do you, I think it went to to like to france and then it went into space and then it went to turkey and then buster and then arthur's like you know buster you're ridiculous you know something like that but he actually gets it totally right so it's also, a little before
1: we move on yeah uh fit check on george's running outfit a Dude, yes of, yeah, yeah a couple of things to mention uh george's is, is dressing in this episode so we got him in the five inch inseam shorts check okay the <laughs> ankle socks all the way back in style you know we we want your socks to be hitting that mid-calf and it's got the two-tone so that's looking good as well we got yeah. the red chucks and every character's got those uh but and, and then of course the matching red headband and wristbands um but the centerpiece of the outfit um if i saw this like at a thrift store i would lose my mind over this shirt the R- i heart norway shirt with the uh <laughs> norwegian flag what what a piece this is it it looks like a ringer tee that also yeah says i heart norway uh this is just an all around great outfit um oh and of course the fanny pack too he's got the fanny going um yeah good on good on George both functional and stylish for his long distance run
0: yeah a lot of this seems to be back and like it's 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 pretty close to like that really fetching bootleg Bart Simpson t-shirt that you had at the yard sale <laughs> I wish everybody could have seen it it was really mm. something uh but yeah no I I also loved the t-shirt I thought this was really cool but I'm glad that you kind of we've got we've got another get another huge fit to assess later in this episode. Oh, yes.
1: Yes, we do. So
0: so George decides that he wants to do this walk, and he's going to do one better. He's going to raise money for autism research, which I thought was really cool. Um, He has, like, a a sign-up sheet for pledges for everybody that he goes around to. And this is where, again, Francine kind of gives him guff about it. She, like, literally, like, laughs in his face that he could even do something like this and even though she signs up to give him money it's like a dollar for every hour that he walks or something like that
1: yeah and francine gives him 50 cents but she's kind of like patronizing about it
0: very and like literally laughing in his face uh we do see we do also see there's like a montage of george getting everybody's um signatures and we see like binky also laughing in his face about this but then he also signs uh buffy offers to like completely pay for everything if george brings along this really garish mr crosswire uh balloon it's like a balloon of his head which i thought was (laughs) kind of funny um so yeah he gets a bunch of these he also mentions to mr ratburn uh that he's going to go on this walk and mr ratburn signs up even though he doesn't realize it's for a pledge and we'll get back to that in a second so Arthur meanwhile Arthur is in possession of El Boomerang he's going to give it to Alberto and he's really excited of how Alberto will react. In fact he's so excited he has a dream. Okay. That yeah. So, so- Al- d- just just to quickly explain. So Alberto is so over the moon in Arthur's dream. He apparently Alberto got a helicopter for his birthday, but the return of El Boomerang is even better. So great is this gift that he decides that he and Arthur
1: are Ketchup Brothers. So to add to the strangeness of all this, this whole sequence of we get from L. Boomerang to helicopter to Ketchup Brothers all happens in very quick succession. It's like 30 seconds. <laughs> uh, so really, and, and here's the key, Will, is I like looked at my phone or away from the screen or something, so I missed the context that arthur falls asleep and then this happened so i was watching and i literally just thought this was the scene where he gives him Al boomerang and so when, when he's like i like it even more than my helicopter i was like what and then he was like let's be ketchup brothers and i was like what what is this i was i was taken aback at and, and like it wasn't until the, the, he then wakes up, and I was like, oh, okay, it was a dream. But the the whiplash from, one, Alberto is, is wealthy enough to have a helicopter, uh, to, two, I was like, Ketchup Brothers, what? <laughs> uh, this was something else. Even, even with the context, watching it again, that it is a dream, this is, like I said, season 14, the dream sequences have been top-notch. This is good stuff.
0: Well and definitely in this story we're seeing a lot we're leaning more on magical realism than we tend to. That's a, that's an old thing we used to say a lot in the earlier episodes of the show. but uh, we're yeah, it seems to be a lot more. We're just kind of having fun with like what's real, what isn't And this is this is part of it it's, and we're also to go along with that, while Arthur is having this dream, El Boomerang ends up escaping through this like Rube Goldberg style mishap, where it's like one thing goes into one thing and one thing goes into the other, and El Boomerang just ends up going out the window, and Arthur has has lost it. Uh, this is this is really weird, and like by which I mean I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna say something really weird here. It's this is what I think of when I think of. The term blood brothers or, you know, something like that. You know, it's it's an older trope of like, you know, cutting open your hand yeah. and cutting open your friend's hand. And then like it's like you've bled together, your blood brothers. So when I was younger, probably actually around the time where I was originally starting to watch Arthur, um, this was in the mid to late 90s. So my family had just gotten the internet, and the internet was not as accessible as it was as it is now. It was very much like the dial-up noises. You had to tie up a phone line, like all this kind of stuff. And one of the things that I really got online about very quickly was Dragon Ball Z. Like, I was a huge fan of Dragon Ball Z when it started to play on YTV. And so when I, like, one of the one of the first things that i ever searched for and thank goodness that this didn't lead me down any inappropriate paths my friend suggested that i search for dragon ball z pictures just go to a search engine and put in dragon ball z pictures so <laughs> you were there like,
1: was i'm going to see some really cool pictures here
0: and i did like there's a lot there were a lot of like manga exclusive artwork there was like artwork from the show that like we hadn't even got to yet. Like there were levels of Super Saiyan that I didn't know existed. Anyway, the point of all this is, I got really into Dragon Ball Z uh, fandom culture when I was younger, and that included every once in a while you'd run across on these fan sites Dragon Ball Z fan fiction. And what I remember for some reason, it's always associated with the Blood Brothers thing. I remember this fan fiction where Krillin and Goku became blood brothers, and because. Goku's Saiyan blood mixed in with Krillin's human blood that led to Krillin being able to go Super Saiyan and I thought that was the coolest thing.
1: Okay, well, so that's so there's no dark ending to this story. When no, you no, set no, it up, I was like, okay, and then you tried it yourself with your friend. No, no. Now it's... you have monkeypox. Like, no, 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 no. Okay, no.
0: it's like, like I said, it's it's just it's strange. It's just the strange things that we run into. But yeah, that's what I think. When I think of Blood Brothers, I like think of Krillin going Super Saiyan, um, and all the time I spent as a Dragon Ball Z fan when I was like eight or nine on the internet, um, and thankfully didn't see any uh, anything untoward. Anyway, back to this Arthur episode. So, George and his dad are going to go on this walk. And as they get ready to go, Mr. Rapburn joins them. And he understood that he was signing up to do the walk, not to sponsor it. And so, he's ready to go. He's got trail mix. He's even memorized the prologue to the Canterbury Tales for entertainment. And how about this fit, Lucas?
1: Yeah, so, is Mr. Rapper German? Maybe like because it's just funny that he had the leader hosen ready to go. So he is dressed in like a traditional leader hosen, head to do- head to toe. He's got like the the fedora with the feather in it. He's got the the shorts with the the suspenders. Um, the man looks like he's from the Alps. Um, it's quite the outfit.
0: Yeah, he looks like that. Um... Like that Price is Right game of the going up the Alps, the yodeling <laughs> one. Yeah, the yodeling
1: one. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: So they decide to let him, let him tag along. Um, meanwhile, we're kind of cutting between this walk that they're going on, and Arthur is at Alberto's birthday party. So he had to think of another gift to give him because he didn't have El Boomerang. So he gives Alberto the comic Dark Bunny versus the Crouton creature, which is literally like a giant crouton with fangs or some such. So on this walk, they go, they're go. they going along. This is like hours and hours. And eventually, as they reach, it's from like the center of Crown City to the clock tower in Elwood City. As they see the clock tower, Mr. Ratburn unfortunately twists his ankle. And he isn't able to continue. And they have to call for help. So that uh, takes a little bit more time off of them. But George and his dad ultimately make it all the way to the, che- uh, the cheers of the crowd. The disbelief of people like Francine. He even uh kicks El Boomerang over to Alberto, who is in the crowd, and that's how they are reunited. And that's the that's the end of that story. I do also want to note that when Mister Ratburn goes down with the twisted ankle, he refers to George's dad's cell phone as a cellular. Uh, no, sorry, a portable telephone.
1: Yeah, we we are continuing the theme of Mister Rapper being a little bit of a luddite. Um, you know, from him not knowing how to use a computer and such. And maybe that explains why his uh, hiking gear uh, looks like it's from the early 20th century or something. Um, one more thing I'll add before we wrap up this episode. The spot where Mr. Rappern breaks his ankle, or sprains his ankle, rather, uh, we get a view of Elwood City that we haven't really seen before. Um, from this top of this hill looking down, Uh, and kind of looking down at the clock tower, uh, to rope this back into us, well, it kind of looks like Halifax, um, given that we have kind of a famous clock tower. Yeah, totally. Like, it's, 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 uh, harborside. Um, there's the—if you look at Halifax from up on, like, Citadel Hill looking down at the clock tower, you get somewhat of a similar view. Maybe Elwood City has a lot more green. Um, but, you know, a a, a clock tower of that type is actually uh, pretty— uh, n- non-standard among cities. Like, for instance, my roommate, he went to uh, Japan, uh, and we have a sister city to Halifax there, and one of the reasons that they are sister cities um, is they are into like our clock tower, and they have a little model Of that clock tower, so I don't know. I I thought it was somewhat reminiscent of Halifax. And and that aside, um, I thought that uh, it's a unique angle of Elwood City that we don't normally see. We don't normally see it from far away, kind of looking down of it from on top of a hill, Um, or or the fact that it has a it's it's coastal. That's another thing that I'd never really realized about Elwood City until now.
0: I didn't even know we had this Japanese sister city. That's I just learned Uh, something new about the place I live.
1: Uh, Let's see. Let's let's see what it's called. We Ooh, let's, can't get some Lu- let's get some Lucas
0: googling. Yes. We haven't heard, had uh, that in a while.
1: It is called uh, uh, Hakodate, uh, and actually, when you look up <laughs> Halifax, Japanese sister city, there's a great picture of these people in front of our the the tiny version of our clock tower that they have set up. <laughs>
0: That's really cool. I'm going to have to look this up. I'd, lit- I'd never heard of this before. See, this is why this is why we should be best podcast in Halifax. We keep learning new stuff True. about the place where we live. And that's it. That's it. Whew. We made it through another season. Season 14 is in the books officially. But we got a couple things to do before we can completely put the bow on it. First of all, let's talk about the ones that we just talked about. So Lucas Buster spaces out. What did you make of this one?
1: So Buster Space is out. Uh, totally fine episode. I will say that uh, it's very... As far as ensemble episodes go... Uh, it's it's pretty standard. You know, Buster has this problem. He wants to build this rocket ship, and he needs to uh, entrust his friends to help him complete the problem. They have some trials and tribulations along the way, and then they kind of succeed. Um, so it's it's a little bit boring in terms of plot-wise, but where it kind of separates itself from, like if another show tried to do something like this, uh, is the strength of the Arthur writing in characters. So even though the plot I found kind of standard, and similar to other children's television especially educational children's television. Um, it still sets itself apart uh, because the individual characterizations are just so strong. Uh, and the writing is really good. There's some funny jokes in this episode as well. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's you know, not my favorite of the season or anything, but pretty solid. What did you think of it?
0: I liked it. Um, yeah. I think I've, I, it just all kind of came together in a way that I thought that I thought was fun. It's cool to have Buster be a little bit motivated. I like when Buster's motivated. I like when he kind of gets to do stuff. You know, sometimes you can rely on him as the joke machine or just to fill a very specific role, but I like it when he gets to kind of be the leader of because he. it turns out that when he gets to do stuff, it's like creative and interesting and different from uh, a lot of where the other characters would go. Um, yeah, you're right. I think that the group dynamics were a little bit, a little bit weird in terms of it being an ensemble episode, but um i thought it was funny i thought it went along an interesting path and it was also a decent way to incorporate a guest like mike fink and to find out a little bit more about him so yeah solid not my favorite or anything but still pretty solid and i'd also say the same thing about the long road home i'd say probably actually the long road home maybe a little bit uh improved in my in my estimation because it really went places I didn't expect it to go. Like, I figured that this would be the one where we'd figure out about El Boomerang and, like, kind of wrap that all up. But then we also had time to do this George-centric thing, which, you know, this whole thing could have been about El Boomerang. But instead, they took that and kind of made it the B-plot, kept it very um, underplayed. And then we instead did this George thing, which I actually found to be more interesting. It was cool, again, to let him have the spotlight um, and to have him be very proactive in doing this neat little personal project, just because he wanted to, it it came from a little bit of you need, had to have that opposition in there from you know, Francine and Binky and all that stuff. But it was just cool to see him motivated and doing something that he wanted to do. And in terms of wrapping up the El Boomerang thing, I thought that was you know it's fine. It was you know, through the whole season, it's been a very like light thing going on in the background, and I think it ended uh well enough as well like at least arthur got to attribute its return to himself and alberto was thankful and all that kind of stuff so yeah again solid episode and i think put together they were they were a good double feature
1: yeah and i like it when uh the episode at the end of the season feels a little bit different you know they give it a little bit of weight yeah, and yeah. here we you know arthur tried something that it hasn't done in in the past 13 seasons which is have kind of this like running, I, I almost want to say gag, but now it's kind of a full-on storyline of, okay, there was this lost ball, it went all over the world and into space... Now we get to see, does it come back? And for a moment there, I, I really did think it wasn't going to come back when they had the Rube Goldberg the Rube Goldberg machine uh, kind of send it out the door. I was like, oh, they're, they're pulling a trick on us. It's going to be another season of seeing El Boomerang in the in the corner of the screen. But I don't know. It was something different. And it's certainly something where, in the way we watch it on a week-to-week basis, which is, again, when I was watching Arthur as a kid, not really how I ever watched it, um, it really gave us <laughs> something extra to talk about every week. It was like, oh, there's El uh, And so it's cool to see that story come to an end. Uh, and yeah, I liked, um, uh, I, I liked both stories. I liked the B plot and the A plot. Uh, I liked that it focused on George. Um, both episodes about kind of having a goal in mind and setting out and accomplishing that goal despite the hardship that comes before you, right? So that's kind of the theme tying both of these together. But yeah, I agree. And I, I liked The Long Road Home a little bit more as well.
0: Right on. Okay, so as I said, We've got a little bit more steps to go before we can officially move on to the next season of Arthur, but we'll be doing so in relatively quick fashion. So thank you, of course, for joining us, not just for this episode, not just for season 14, but for every episode of Elwood City Limits that you've been joining us for so far. So next week on Elwood City Limits, we will be getting you our season 14 recap. As always, Lucas and I have thoughts on the season that was, and we'll be giving our top five episodes of the season now that's going to be yeah. happening on the free feed
1: i'm going to have to play some ketchup we have a holiday on monday and so i'm going to be spending watching because i feel like this year i owe it to you folks to watch the episodes that i missed uh, because it seemed like i missed some good ones so i'll be playing catch up in order to get that out for this week or next week rather
0: that's cool actually. Like I'm now I'm really interested. There could be some favorites in there that you and I haven't talked about that you and I haven't talked about yet. So, I'm really interested to hear what your top 5 is going to end up being. Um, and I'm like I'm not even sure where things are going to land cuz I mean, no spoilers, but like there's a lot of episodes to choose from. So, I'm going to be really interested to see where we both come out with that. So, that's going to be coming out next week here on the free feed. Now, next week is normally a Patreon week, and it's still going to be Because we have a big thing coming for our patrons next Friday. It's called A Word From Us Kids. And it's the first in what I hope will be, maybe if not a series, then I hope we at least get to do a couple of more episodes. But this one is where I got to sit down with two people who were on the Word From Us Kids segment relatively early on in the Arthur cycle. In fact you may be familiar with them to a degree because one of them was on quite a bit early. One of them, her name is Catherine Door, and she was on the first season of Arthur. And the other one is an interview that we have been getting requested for years now. And finally, the fates aligned, and I got to speak with Holly Holland of Canadian Oklahoma.
1: Whoa.
0: It was great. I had a great time speaking with both of them, and the episode is nearly an hour long. We had a lot to talk about, and that's going to be coming to Patreon feeds next Friday. Again, if you want to hear that first, if you don't want to wait, um, I don't I don't actually know when this is going up on the free feed. It may be coming out a month from now, maybe a bit longer. So if you want to hear it right away, you can pay what you want at patreon.com slash ElwoodCityLimits, I promise I think you're really going to like this one. And I'm really excited for everybody to hear it. So that's coming out next week. The free feed's getting something. Patrons are getting something. And then the week after that, we're getting into season 15 of Arthur. There is, I'm sure there's going to be a lot to talk about. It's the last traditionally animated season of the show. And we're starting it off with another double episode. And it's called 15. We're going to have to see how Arthur celebrated 15 seasons on the air, but I'm very, very excited to get to that. And uh, yeah, I think it's going to be a fun couple of weeks, and we've got more stuff in the pipeline, including a new ECL season. We've got more Patreon content on the way. Big things are happening. So I hope that you're all enjoying your summer. We're going to be giving you some stuff, whether you're a patron or whether you're on the free feed to help you enjoy it. And for now once again, I've got the window open here. I'm just gonna keep chugging water and hoping that the next rain that we're getting is gonna clear this air a little bit yeah I hope so too because it's whew. it uh yeah it's we're just gonna i mean and 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 Lucas I don't have the i don't i don't have the alpine in my fridge so I don't know <laughs> exactly how.
1: that's the cure will that's the cure <laughs> it's the magic nectar Man. <laughs> Do our do our listeners know what Alpine is? I feel like they only have it like, I, it, really, they only have it, it. It's like a New Brunswick thing more so than a Nova Scotia thing. I was gonna say, Lucas. I have to admit, I don't even think I know what Alpine is. It's it's a it's a it's a like a even lighter version of Moosehead. I think it's made by Moosehead. Ooh. Um, and it's kind of like if you, if you were to like kind of go coast to coast with the crappy beers, it's like okay, Nova Scotia, it's it's Oland. Uh, but New Brunswick is Alpine. And let me tell you, that stuff is the nectar of the gods.
0: Where else are you going to get this kind of talk about the crappy <laughs> beers of the Atlantic Provinces than on the best podcast in Halifax? Please, please, we'll let you know if if and when we get nominated. But for now, um, my name's Will Young. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of Elwood City Limits. We'll see you at the Season 14 Recap or on the Patreon feed for the first episode of... A word from us kids. And for Lucas Mancini.
1: Ooh, the moon's too hard. Why don't you just go to Seattle?
0: <laughs> we'll see you next time.